Section 30 of the Lives of the Ancient Philosophers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Ancient Philosophers by Francois Fenelon. Section 30. Epicurus, Part 2 he believed that man and all other animals originally came out of the earth in the same manner as we see it teeming with rats moles and insects of every species he supposes the earth in its primitive state to have been fat and nitrous that being gradually heated by the sun it put forth herbage and shrubs and began to throw up on its surface a great number of small tumors in the same way that mushrooms spring up that these tumors came to maturity the skin swelled and broke and gave liberty to a little animal which creeping out from the moisture that had generated it began to respire and that as soon as these little animals were thus born there issued from the same tumors that had served them as their wombs streams of milk wherewith to nourish them among the vast numbers of animals thus brought forth many monsters were to be found some without heads others without feet some without mouths others mere trunks so that some were unable to take nourishment and others to propagate their species hence there only remained such as were perfectly organized and from them we derived all the different species of animal life which we find now existing the earth in its primitive state was not according to epicurus subjected to such extremes of heat and cold and vicissitudes of the seasons as at present all things were then in their infancy the race of men newly sprung from the earth were much more robust than we are their bodies were covered with shaggy hair like the bears they neither required nor knew the use of garments and the coarsest food sufficed to nourish them wherever night happened to come upon them there they threw themselves naked on the earth to sleep and if it chanced to rain they crept beneath the bushes for shelter they had not yet begun to congregate together every one thought only of himself and labored only for his individual wants among other productions of the earth were trees which increasing every day had formed vast forests men therefore began to live upon acorns wild apples and the fruits of the arbutus in procuring these they were often exposed to rencontres with bears and lions and they began to go in parties in order that they might be better enabled to defend themselves from these ferocious animals they next raised small huts occupied themselves in the chase and contrived to make themselves garments from the skins of the animals they killed they chose wives for themselves and each lived in his own hut with the woman that he selected from the intercourse between these pairs arose children who softened by their infantine endearments the ferocious humor of their father such was the origin of society neighborhood begot friendship and injuries were mutually avoided at first signs were only made use of to satisfy wants but afterwards they found it more convenient to invent certain names which they bestowed at random upon objects 
and gradually proceeded from them to form a jargon which they made use of as a vehicle for the interchange of their thoughts the use of fire was discovered to them by the sun without farther contrivance they at first basked in its rays the meats which they procured in the chase but one day a flash of lightning chanced to fall upon a heap of combustible matter and set it on a blaze in a moment the men who already knew the value of fire instead of extinguishing it endeavoured carefully to preserve it and every one carried a portion of it to his own hut and used it to dress his victuals after this towns were built and lands divided the shares were not however parcelled out with impartiality the strongest and most cunning helped themselves to the best portions constituted themselves kings forced others to obey them and built citadels to avoid being subjugated in their turns by their neighbours in those days men had no other weapons of defence than their hands nails and teeth or sticks and stones such were the arms with which they settled their disputes being induced for some cause or other to set fire to forests they discovered veins of metal which being melted by the heat ran along the little cracks in the earth delighted with its brilliancy they imagined seeing that it was capable of being liquefied by fire that they might mould it into any form they wished at first they only thought of applying it to arms they therefore esteemed copper much more highly than gold finding that weapons of gold would not take by any means so sharp an edge as those of copper they afterwards made use of this metal likewise for bits ploughshares and in short for everything else that it was fit for before the invention of iron clothes were made of various materials knit together but as soon as it was found that this meadow could be made subservient to all the purposes of life means were devised for weaving stuffs and linens for the increased convenience of the human race for the art of sewing they were indebted to nature herself from the beginning of the world it had been evident that the acorns which fell from oaks produced other trees exactly like the oaks themselves accordingly men when they were desirous of having oaks grow in any particular spot planted acorns and as the same result was produced from the same cause with respect to other plants individuals each sowed that grain of which he had most need the next observation that presented itself was that in every species whatsoever the increase depended greatly on the degree of cultivation which the soil received and hence the attention of the community was quickly turned to agriculture until this period strength and address had sufficed to maintain superiority but no sooner had gold made its appearance and mankind suffered themselves to be dazzled by its brilliancy and every one sought to hoard it up for himself some enriched themselves greatly by this means and their first sovereigns who had no other merit than their strength and cunning attached themselves solely to those who had wealth the kings were massacred and the government descended into the hands of the people laws were framed and magistrates appointed to enforce obedience to them and to regulate public business in proportion as mankind thus departed from their original ferocity 
they began to cultivate the pleasures of society and to make entertainments for each other at which after having eaten and drunk of the best fare they had to offer they solaced themselves with listening to the warblings of the bird and afterwards endeavoured to imitate them and compose songs which they sung to the same notes that they had learned from the birds the soothing murmur of the winds as they passed over the brooks suggested to them the invention of flutes and the admiration with which they gazed on the celestial bodies induced them to turn their attention to astronomy avarice likewise began to exert its influence over their actions they made war upon each other for the purpose of dispossessing others of their property this afforded excitement to poets to describe the valiant exploits that took place in these engagements and for painters to represent them and the tranquillity and abundant leisure which they possessed in the intervals of peace that succeeded these wars afforded them the opportunity of perfecting themselves in the arts originally suggested to them by necessity and even to invent new ones to increase the conveniences of life to the objection which was opposed to this theory of epicurus that the earth no longer brought forth men lions dogs or other animals he replied that the fecundity of the earth was exhausted by age as a woman advanced in years no longer bears children that lands newly cultivated produce much greater crops the first years than in succeeding ones that when a forest is cut down the same ground no longer furnishes such trees as have been rooted up but only a degenerate and dwarfish race such as thorns briars and other underwood he argues moreover that there may be even at the present time rabbits hares foxes bears and other animals brought forth in a perfect state by the earth alone but that such events occurring only in solitary places where we cannot have evidence of the fact we are unwilling to admit it any more than that of rats being produced out of the earth because we ourselves have never seen any other than what we have produced by other rats philosophers are divided in their opinion as to what ought to be considered as the test of truth epicurus maintains that there is no other criterion of it than that which is afforded us by our senses and that it is by relation to them alone that we can distinguish things that are true from those that are false respecting the understanding he maintained that in its primitive state it resembles a blank sheet of paper being devoid of any idea or impression whatsoever that when the corporeal organs are fully formed it gradually receives knowledge through the medium of the senses that it becomes enabled to think on things absent and thus is liable to deceive itself by taking for present that which is absent and even occasionally that which does not exist at all that in judging by the senses on the contrary we can never be deceived as by them we can only perceive objects which are actually present and consequently can never be mistaken as to the reality of their existence none but a madman therefore says epicurus will be satisfied with arguments of reasons independent of the concurrence of his senses 
the nature of vision has been explained by philosophers in a variety of ways epicurus imagined that from all bodies a number of their aerial forms were perpetually flying off exactly resembling the bodies from which they were thus detached that the air was free of these fine subtle forms and that it was by means of them that we were enabled to form our perceptions of external things he held that scent heat sound light and other sensible qualities are not simple perceptions of the mind but positive and eternal as they seem and that a certain quantity of matter agitated in a certain manner continually constituted scent sound light heat and other sensible qualities independent of any sentient being that for example in a flower garden small particles are perpetually detaching themselves from the flowers and fill the air all around with delicious odors similar to what we ourselves should perceive were we walking in the garden and in the same manner when a bell rings the surrounding atmosphere is filled with sharp tremulous sounds such as vibrate in our ears on hearing it that as soon as the sun begins to appear the air is filled with brilliant appearances like the light which shines upon our eyes and that when the same thing appears different to two different animals it is because these animals differ from each other in their internal organization that for instance the reason why the leaves of the willow appear bitter to man and sweet to the goat is that goats and men are not constructed in the same manner internally the stoics who notwithstanding the severity of their professions were vain to an excess were extremely jealous of the number of friends and followers that attached themselves to epicurus whose philosophy was moreover very different from that of the stoic school they not only tried by every means in their power to decoy him but even propagated many infamous calumnies of him in their writings hence it is that posterity who have chiefly known epicurus through the representation of the stoics have suffered themselves to be deceived into the idea that he was a man of debauched habits whereas he was exemplary for the purity consistency and moderation of his conduct in every respect an honourable testimony in favour of his chastity is borne to him by saint gregory epicurus says this father of the church defines the object of human existence to be enjoyment but lest any one might imagine that it could be sensual pleasure which he meant he set an example in his own life of unimpeachable chastity and uniform temperance confirming the sincerity of his precepts by the purity of his practice epicurus always declined taking any part in the government of the republic preferring a life of leisure and tranquillity to the anxiety of state affairs the statues publicly erected to him by the athenians sufficiently testified the esteem in which he was held those who once attached themselves to him never left him with the exception of metrodorus who quitted him to study in the academy under carneades but returned at the end of six months and remained with him until his own death which took place a short time before that of epicurus 
the reputation of the school of epicurus always maintained its original splendor and when all other systems were almost abandoned his was held in unabated esteem he was still teaching at athens when he was taken ill in that city of a retention of urine which was the source of the most exquisite sufferings to him perceiving that his existence was drawing to its close he affranchised a number of his slaves disposed of his effects and ordered that his own birthday and that of each of his parents should be annually solemnized about the tenth day of the month gamelion or january he bequeathed his garden and his books to hermicus of mytilene who succeeded to him on condition that they should descend in succession to all those who might in future fill the same place he wrote to idomeneus as follows thanks to the gods i am at length arrived at the last and happiest days of my life i am so tormented by the violence of my disease so racked with pains in the bladder and intestines that it is impossible to imagine a state of greater torture in the midst of all my sufferings however i find consolation in the retrospect of my life and the thought that to me philosophy is indebted for many of its soundest arguments i conjure you by the attachment you have always evinced for me and for my doctrines to take care of the children of metrodorus a fortnight after the commencement of his attack epicurus went into a warm bath prepared expressly for him as soon as he entered he asked for a glass of pine wine and having drunk it expired immediately afterwards in the very act of exhorting his friends and disciples who were standing around him to bear him and the precepts he had given them in their remembrance the athenians testified the most lively grief at his death which took place in the hundred and twenty-seventh olympiad End of section 30